I'm Claire Manship. And I'm Ian Brodsky. And this is The Thing That Happened This Week. The show where everyone brings a story from the past seven days and we break it down. So stay tuned, you don't want to miss it! Hello! Hello! It's a Wednesday! It is a Wednesday. It's a nice Wednesday. It is a nice Wednesday. Blue skies. Yeah. Smiling at just me. Exactly. (laughs) How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? You seem very um, serene. I am. I had my first full night's sleep in like five days. Hey, high five. Yes. I was up early like Thursday through yesterday. Tuesday, two days ago. Excuse me. Excuse me. (laughs) I regret nothing. This is why it's Um, great. No one can see. No one can see what sound that was. It's a Um, secret. Yeah, yeah. But like, and I woke up today just sort of on my own accord, Mm. like an hour and a half before like I set an alarm, and I'm like, I can do this day now. I used to use this app that like measured your circadian rhythm. So if you put in like I have to wake up by nine a.m., mm-hmm. then um, it would wake you up between eight thirty and nine, depending on like mm. when it could sense that you were like your most ready to awake. Oh, that's cool. It was so cool. You should get it. It's only like two dollars. I got it free yeah. through the Starbucks app like three or four years ago. Oh, nice. Um, Send but it's me called, the app. It's called Soul Cycle. Okay. I, no, no, Soul Cycle. That's a biking thing. I was like, oh, I was like, oh, they it's must have called, done that before Soul Cycle was a thing. No, but that'd be cool if they thought your sleeping was like your soul right. awakening. Yeah. Oh, it's so. I meta. mean, like that's why I bought it. No, it's called Sleep Cycle. Sleep Cycle. However, this episode brought to you by, by Soul sleep. Cycle. Oh yes. <laughs> Sorry. I'm afraid to go spinning. I think it looks terrifying because I, what if my feet. Like, I don't know, what happens when your feet come undone from the hookity hook and then just one is spinning around and the other one's like flailing to the side? That's an excellent question. And like, I've never been. And, and it I needs to be answered. answered. Damn it. So if <laughs> the reps from Soul Cycle can write us at thisweekstaking at gmail.com. AKA any actor anywhere in New York. Yo, facts though. <laughs> Everyone works at Soul Cycle or, or is a Equinox. personal trainer. Equinox is it? Equinox sounds better. Equinox. I, I mean, that's just what I've. I mean, said. Equinox made them do it. Exactly. <laughs> sure. Um, oh, I was going to tell you. So before I came here, I was just regaling Ian with a debacle about I missed the bus because I had to refill my metro car down in the subway, so I didn't ride the subway. Then I missed the bus. Then I had to ride the subway. It was like drama. Anyway, and it was all like crested, crested, encrusted. Ooh, that's a gross word. In the irony that I had just watched a 10-minute mini-documentary by the New York Times on the failure of the MTA, and they cited a train derailment that I was a part of, that I was on that train, as the beginning of the state of emergency of the MTA. Which one was that? So there were two Harlem derailments. One was at the end of last year. It was like fall, winter of 2017. When the A train just like, like... Top side, It literally, right? to the side. It was so crazy. And I, they said, I think the number was 34 people were injured. No yeah. fatalities. Thank God. Um, but also, like, injuries. <laughs> you shouldn't get injured going to work. It's insane. Yeah. Um, but mine was in August of 2013. Mm. Yes. And uh, it was a one train that derailed between 125th and 116th. 
125th is an above ground station for those that don't live in New York. And on the one train, it's above ground. And then it slopes back into the ground at 116th Columbia University. And so we, the friend I was with was insistent that we go to the front of the train because it was closer to the exit we needed at our stop, our our final destination. Ooh, final, that's... That's... (laughs) I mean, fitting for the topic, but... Oh, they died on a roller coaster drama. Yeah. Um... Oh, but I also have a... Did I tell you? Yeah, yeah. We talked about it on the show. My friend that's on uh, Fox's 911, his uh-huh. character had a roller coaster accident. Yes. It made me yeah, think of yeah, final yeah. Anyway, thus endeth. The, the first, first tangent. tangent. So I... Um, anyway, I insisted with this friend. I was like, no, no. The front of the train. Look at all the people on the platform. We should go to the back of the train. Which literally saved us. Because it was the front train that turned and derailed. Creepy. And people like broke bones. Like yeah. it, it was like insane. Oh my we god. We were stuck and it was so funny. We were like in the second or third to last car and it was like just close enough to 125th that we could see the light of day, but just far enough from the outside world that we had no phone signal. This was before there was Wi-Fi in the MTA in every, system. Yeah. And so it was it was just like so That's insane. Terrifying. It was August. Obviously, we lost power because we weren't touching the third rail anymore. Mm-hmm. And they turn off the train and it's you know, 110 degrees, and there's babies, and there's old people. I, it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So that, anyway, I watched that documentary, and then the MTA fucked me, like, five minutes later. See, that <laughs> that kind of story was why my grandma, when she was living here, when she was alive, obviously. Sure. Like, like and this, of course, was years and years and years ago, but that's why, like, she just stopped taking the subway. Mm-hmm. Like, she had, like, one, I forget if it was a derailment or, like, it broke down while she was, like, underground, and, like, they had to lead everybody on the train out, like, through the tunnels and stuff? Yeah. Oh, we didn't we didn't evacuate into the tunnel because parts of the third rail were still active and they didn't want us walking next yeah. to the track. So they pulled another. We were just far enough away from the 125th Street Station that they couldn't back up the train safely to get us to the platform. So they mm-hmm. pulled another empty train car, a service car, to like a full train to the back of us. We walked through our train the service train, and then had to walk a gangplank. And it was like 12 feet over 125th Street. Oh like my 40 God. stories in the air. And I, it was so crazy. Oh, but the funniest part of the story, if there's any funny part. Right. The friend I was with, she goes, oh, Claire, look at all these firemen. They're all single. <laughs> I go, why do you think they're all single? She goes, I mean, none are wearing wedding rings. I go, Allie, they fight fires for a living. She goes, what does that have to do with anything, Claire? They're all single, as far as I'm concerned. I was like, what? What the fuck? I was like, bitch, someone just broke bones, and you're a never and you're And you're, like, fishing for a mate. I know, right? She's so crazy. Oh, my God. That's hilarious, yeah. but also, like, girl, read the room. I know, right? Read the room. Don't say that too loud. We also took photos while we were there, because we had so much time. We had, yeah. like, a little photo shoot underground, because everyone was, like, glistening and sweaty and... There was a cute guy standing next to me. I remember that. And there was a guy. Did you the... get his info? Did you get his DMs? No. Oh, my God. Well, DMs weren't even a thing it's at true. the time. 2013 was like pre-DM sliding. Yeah. And, um, but I will say that it was really nice. I had just graduated college and it was really nice. He was in school and was going to like rehearse with his intramural soccer. Rehearse mm. with his intramural soccer league. Did Honestly, you if me? you had, if you had not, <laughs> if you had not caught yourself on it I might not ha- have 
even caught noticed. you on. I might not have. I even know, noticed. right? They had auditions to join the team. It, it was yeah, a big deal. Their costumes look really great this I year. I mean, the dress rehearsal was just, I mean, fantastic. Yeah. Anyway, he was on his way to practice with his mm-hmm. intramural soccer league. And he was like, yeah, I go to, you know, like, let's say NYU. I can't remember where he went. He's like, yeah, I go to NYU. And I was like, oh, cool. I just graduated. <laughs> like, <"Ooh." laughs> like a bitch. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Sexy older woman. Here's a question. Would you go out now with someone who is earning their bachelor's degree, like in the 18 to 21 range? Maybe like 21. I don't think I'd go any younger than that. Okay. What's the rule? It's like half your age plus... Plus seven. Oh, plus seven. Yeah. Okay. So uh, you're 26. I'm 26. So that's 13 plus seven is 20. So... Okay. Okay. So yeah. The oldest I've dated somebody, he was... I was... I don't want to get this wrong. I was 23 and he was 36. We just went out a couple different times. Mm-hmm. But like 13 years, like, mm, I was like a little much. It can be. Like one of my like one of my good friends, her <laughs> guest feet. is laughing at me. We have a guest today, guys. We have guys. a guest today. He's coming up. Yeah. Um, one, of my, one of my best friends from college, her fiance, I think, is 10 years older than her. Yeah, but like, I guess the only like, thing, I, like, okay, let's say... Okay, you're 40, and I'm 30, and okay. we start dating and fall in love. Sure. This is the way I imagine it, of listeners. Of course. So we fall in love, right? And there's nothing weird about that. There's no. literally nothing weird yeah. about that. Or we can reverse it. I'm 40, you're 30, whatever. I'm at mm-hmm. my sexual peak, and you're still figuring out your 401k. And I'm just, <laughs> not like, not untrue. No, no, come on. He, Ian's a very big, you, he's, a, he's a fully grown I have, adult Yes, man. I have stocks. Yes, oh, we have stocks. I have stocks. Honey, and I take stock in my yes. stocks. And I'm like really chipper today. You are. And like, meanwhile, you're holding this venti Starbucks oh, cup. Chai tea latte, it's decaf, but it's still, it just makes I, me... I don't know if it is. Well, their chai is non-caffeinated. Oh, is it really? Yeah, for real. Oh, I've been doing it wrong the then. Tazo, the Tazo chai, I think, is decaffeinated. Oh. It's not It's not fully caffeinated. Oh, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. Guess I gotta change my order then. It just tastes like Christmas. I don't know, I just love it. Sure. So, anyway... Um, what were you talking about? Um, <laughs> oh, age differences. Like 40, 30, that's, that's right. not no, but that's not like a thing. But it, let, if we take that like, like discrepancy of age mm-hmm. and we swing it back to, I guess in this allegory, we were born in the seventies and eighties. Yeah. You would have been 20 when I was 10. Now that's, that's weird. That's weird. Super creepy, completely inappropriate, very illegal. Don't try this at home. No. But if you think about it in that context, like when I was 10, you know, like, the biggest thing that happened when I was 10 was 9-11. But someone who's yeah. 20 during 9-11 will have a whole new life perspective about that particular time. Exactly. And I think those are when people start to feel weird. When you're, like, on a date and you realize, like, like, oh. oh I mean, like. You're so young. I mean, like, even for me, like, 20 to 30, that's, like, a little off in my head just because like okay one person is in college one person like is probably very like at least i don't want to say very well off but like they're pretty settled in their life sure sure sure. and it's like i don't know like not that i think about this a whole lot but i'm thinking like if you're with someone that's like just like learning who they are in their 20s like that's a lot for you to commit to and like that's well and you don't want to be the reason that someone shapes a particularly formative section of their life yeah or the reason that they throw their life away for a human right i mean it take it would take a lot to throw your life away that young because you have so many years ahead i mean assuming that you live a normally healthy life 
Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, the stakes are high on that one. Yeah. I think you answered it right. I don't think Thank anyone you. at home is going to send us hate mail, but if you have some, this week's thing at gmail.com. <laughs> Bring it on! <laughs> Bring okay. it! Well, uh, anyway, uh, now that we've covered whether Ian would uh, date young, I think we should introduce our guest. And that's a great segue. <laughs> I don't think we have ever had such a smooth segue. I know. Our guest has a very young voice, but a very old soul. Yes. Yes. Okay, cue the music. Okay, listeners, we have a very special guest for you this week. He's a very dear friend of mine, an incredible actor, singer, dancer, currently getting his master's at the Maggie Flanagan studio, newly engaged, and a savant of all music and theater. Please welcome Dylan Adams. Hi. Hello. Hello. You are here. I am here. You have arrived. Yes, I have arrived. Longtime listener, first time guest. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Dylan, you're having like a whirlwind beginning to the year. Let's talk engagement oh, and oh, wedding planning. Oh, man. Which that's actually my thing that happened this week is Ooh. part of oh. the wedding planning. Oh, well then let's save it. Yeah, yes. let's save let's it. Let's talk about earning your master's then. How is that going? Well, it's kind of funny because it's not technically a master's program. It's formed like a master's program. Okay. So what's great about the program is that it's... A two-year program, but I'm doing it in like in a year and a half. But it's like... Wow. So I have been nonstop since January of last year. Okay. Mm -hmm. And now I'm in the last five... Actually, now since it's February tomorrow, four months left. So I'm like running like a banshee everywhere. Sure. Mm -hmm. And being like, ah! Because I have a million and a half classes. I'm just at school all day, six days a week, it feels like anymore. So, yeah. I think we, I can speak for Ian and I when I say we feel very lucky to get a little bit of your time. I mean, you're planning, yeah. you're planning a wedding, you're going to school, you audition when you can, you take class when you can, I, and are you guys moving soon? Or? And no, me and Patrick are planning on moving next year. Okay. And then, and on top of all that, I'm still producing a play. Right. <laughs> yeah. So oh, talk, yeah. Let's talk about that. So... Dylan is uh, a producing partner, yes, mm-hmm. for the Art of War Productions, and they're producing a brand new show called Brilliant Traces. They're having an incredible fundraising seed round right now that just finished, and they're start- you're starting another one, yeah? We, this is, will be a revival. Oh, a revival. It is a revival. It's the first time it's been revived since 1989, and it's by mm. Cindy Lou Johnson, the place called Brilliant Traces, and it'll be... Opening on February 17th, and the closing date is March 4th, and it'll be at the Workshop Theater. Amazing. And you can get tickets at BrilliantTracesThePlay.com. BrilliantTracesThePlay.com. Yes. It's great. Amazing. So if people who are listening want to come see Brilliant Traces, what are they in store for? You are in store for something that's really heartfelt, that is hilarious that's really thought-provoking really just a beautiful play that really makes you think about how you should take your life you shouldn't take life for granted and really cherish the people you have around you well said mm-hmm. yeah which i can read you this a little bit of the story of what this is would love to hear that yeah as a blizzard rages outside his remote alaskan cabin A man lies deep in slumber under a heap of blankets. Suddenly, he is awakened by a desperate knocks of an unexpected visitor, a distraught young woman 
who bursts into his cabin dressed in full bridal regalia. Whoa. Mm. Strung out and exhausted, she throws herself on the man's mercy, but after sleeping for two days straight, her vigor and combativeness return. Both characters, it turns out, have been wounded and embittered by life, and both are refugees of civilization. Thrown together in this snow-bound cabin, they alternatively repel and attract each other as they explore the pain of the past and confront the old griefs and bitter feelings that haunt their lives. Whoa, and it's funny? (laughs) You you think it wouldn't be funny based off that, but it is really, there are so (laughs) many funny moments in this play that are nonverbal in this play. And that's what makes it so funny is based off the behavior that people give. And that's what's so tricky about this place. Based off what I just gave you off a story, it's like, oh, it's this really dark thing. And it's really like you're going through serious feelings and emotions. But yet there's such a, there's a light to it that balances it all out that you're like, oh, this is quite funny. But also I'm like, I can relate to this. Mm. I love Refugee of Society. Oh, civilization. Civilization. A refugee of, of civilization. civilization. I oh, love is, that. Is that the show title? <laughs> I, I, I think so. Oh, yes. Epi 50. What is this? Eight. Epi. You know, my favorite part of that description was um, that they attract and repel one another. I was like, oh, <laughs> drama. There's yeah. sex in this. There's a guy under a blanket. It's <laughs> like halfway there. So Brilliant Traces is going to play at... The Workshop Theater. That's right. From? From February 17th to March 4th, and previews start February 15th. Oh, okay. Amazing. Nice. So we're coming right up on that. Yeah. Yes, we are close. We're about two and a half weeks from opening, so we are Oof. we are close. Everybody's in rehearsals right now, and it's going really well, and I'm quite excited to see what the product turns out to be. It's Amazing. great. Yep. That's so exciting. Yeah, it's really exciting. It's been a pleasure to be able to get the money for this because we did we did an untraditional thing in raising money for this. We did a Kickstarter. Sure. And with Kickstarters, if you don't know what Kickstarter is, is it's an all or nothing deal. It's like you get all the money or you don't. It's mm-hmm. like and you right. only have a certain amount of time to do it. And we and we of all the times to do a campaign, we decided to do it in the month of December, and we had thirty days to do it. Right, which mm. it's the season of giving, giving, but like for charity. For charity, yeah. yeah. But it's, it's hard to ask for money, money like when at it's at that not... time of the year. It's right. really hard. So we started. But you made your goal. We made our goal. We made our goal. It was a lot of money. It was thirty-four thousand dollars. Holy shit! Christ. Yep. That is a fully budgeted show. Honey. Yeah. Yes. So I'm very proud of the producing team that we were able to accomplish that and actually give this play the justice it really does deserve. We could have done it at a smaller budget, but it would have never been what it should have been. And Art of War really believes in really giving justice to pieces that we pick up along sure. the way. So so we were actually supposed to have another person from Art of War do the show with us in the last couple of weeks. And for whatever reason, like we just, I, it's probably completely on me. We couldn't get the schedule together. But I just want to... Iterate that iterate is that what I mean? I think so. Emphasize. Yeah. I want emphasize. Emphasize. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. I want to emphasize that Art of War is W A R R for like the he's he the head the founder guy? Joshua War. His yes. last name is spelled W A R R, which Joshua is a doll saint, and mm. I'm very 
grateful he asked me to be part of this production. Yeah, I, ju- I just wanted to say, I know we couldn't ever get him, like, on board to do it before the show really got into full swing, but we really, like, a- appreciate his efforts and his yeah. friendship, and I look forward to seeing the show! Yeah, mm-hmm. it'll be really fun, yeah. It's such a fun production, and it fell in my lap, and when I read the play for the first time before jumping on board, I was like, oh, I'm like, this is what New York City needs right now. Totally. Great. This is... And I don't say that lightly in the sense of plays that New York City needs. Because there's so many plays that go on in this city. But they're like, oh, maybe this could have been done later. This wasn't the right time for this. And you can really tell by the seats in the audience when people are showing up. But this is a play that New York needs right now. That's amazing. So, So, okay. So speaking to your experience working in the theater... I hope you don't mind my saying that you grew up Mormon. Yes. How does that influence your work in the theater in terms of like sharing it with your friends and family and like maybe there's like heavy themes in some of the things you've done or like how, like what how has that shaped your particular artistic journey? Um it's interesting because the thing is is uh, that's actually has never really been an issue in the sense for me of like I've just told them like I just have been upfront saying this is what's in the play. I'm not going to be offended if you don't show up, if you're not comfortable seeing this type of a play. Because sure. I did, when I was in college, I got to do hair. Mm-hmm. Wow. So we took the nudity part out. But the thing is, is that's still a lot of strong content and a lots of serious themes that you're coming up against for two and a half hours. Right. So I'm like, I was family that I told, I'm like, you do not have to see this if you do not want to. I'm not going to be offended, but this is something I've always wanted to do. So, yeah. yeah. And that's the thing is I've never let people's thoughts and opinions back me away from a project that I've wanted to do. Well, good for I, you. I, that's something I've always wanted. If I want to do it, I'm just going to jump in and do it. What was your life like growing up in Utah? Um, now living in New York, I mean, I'm sure you see it in just a brand new light, the wide open spaces of Utah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. I, it's a 360 degree flip. I lived on a dead end dirt road and I was the second house on the left. And across the street from me was a six foot ditch that went all the way down the road. Weird. And I like that. Yeah. I lived that in. That paints a picture. <laughs> yeah. I lived in the real country here. My neighbors had cattle and. Like, I had a pasture, I planted tomatoes on a half acre for many summers and sold them to the farmer's markets, raised lambs for the fair, so... You raised lambs for the fair. All right, let's get into this. Yeah. (laughs) I need need to know every... Okay, the state fair. Um, like, the... It's a county fair. The county fair. Oh, I touched the wire. The county fair. And, okay... First off, this is something you went to your whole life. Oh, this is just something that many kids do in country towns and country cities. And it was just something that you learn a lot of valuable skills in raising an animal and then you having to sell it to like the market afterwards. That is just, have you ever killed an animal? I haven't, I personally have not killed an animal, but... I have uh, killed a human. human. <laughs> uh, yes, I have killed a human. Oh, no. Jesus. Oh, my God. You heard it here first, folks. Oh, oh my God. Oh, boy. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I would imagine that you get a, that you get attached to them as pets. Oh, yeah. I remember, let's see, because the, the first time I raised a lamb for the fair, I was 
eight. And I remember... And they're sold at the fair? And they're sold at the fair because you show them at the livestock show and then the judge places you and then you get an order of like where you placed and then you sell it at the auction. And then you get a check in the mail for how much a pound for your lamb or for your hog or for your steer. It goes by the pound because that's how you buy stuff at the supermarket is everything's by the pound. Mm. So you could get... Let's say if your lamb weighed like a hundred, let's say it weighed a hundred pounds and it sold for $5 a pound, you're getting $500. Wow. Dang. I mean, I might sell a family pet um, for $500. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could use $500. I know, right? You could so, use $500. Yeah. So that's what I would, we did that for a bit, me and my sister and my cousin Paige. We did that for, I think maybe like four or five years. Wow. Which was fun, but then we got in the tomato business, and <laughs> that makes a lot more money. Well, it does. Yeah. Yes. Well, the thing is, is, is that the way Dylan said that, it was like delicious in his mouth. It makes a lot more money. It's true. <laughs> well, here's the thing. You don't have to take care of it every day. That's one great thing about it. Sure. Because the thing is, is with a lamb, it's like your dog. Or your cat. You have to tend to it every day. You it have to feed it. You have it needs a lot of attention. You have you have to go like you have to walk a dog. You have to go walk a lamb. Yeah, well and if you work like if you are working to raise a few animals, I bet you could spend the same amount of time with like one tenth of the effort growing like, you know, three thousand vines of tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the thing is is the big thing the major difference between tomatoes and lambs is mm-hmm. is that when me and my sister would do it, we would have to wake up at five in the morning and start weeding uh-huh. a half acre of tomatoes Wow! until it got too hot in the day because Utah's a dry, deserty heat. Sure. So when it gets too hot, it's like you're not doing anything else until it cools down in the evening wow. to do it again. So we would do that and, you know, we'd irrigate and do all that stuff and then sell. Irrigate. It's so official. Yes. <laughs> It's like so 100% the opposite of what anybody I grew up with did in the summer. I know, it's amazing. (laughs) Like that was unheard of where I lived. Can you imagine if you called your friend and you're like, hey, what are you doing? And they're like, I'm gardening. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, hey, you want to come over and help me irrigate my land? Oh my God, I love that. And it's so official in a country town. It's like, it is by the schedule. If you want to irrigate your crops, you have a certain time you have to do it. I would have to do it sometimes at two in the morning. So are your parents still out there with um, this family business? No. We, my parents moved to Layton about, uh, I'd say like four or five years ago now. Okay, we where's Layton? Layton is about 30 minutes north of Salt Lake. Okay. Yeah. And I lived, and the place I've been describing is called Plain City. Yeah, it mm-hmm. is. Very fitting mm-hmm. to what I've just described. There's not much there. And it's about an hour north of Salt Lake. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So your parents just got close to the city. Yeah, they got closer to Salt Lake. And the thing is, is that Layton has been a big part of our family. My mom worked there for years. When I used to clog, I used to, it was in Layton. My senior year of high school, I switched high schools and went to Layton High School. Whoa. Your so, senior year, you transferred schools. I did, so I could get theater scholarships. Wow. Okay, so let's Smart. talk about your first, if you're living out in, I mean, I don't want to call it the middle of nowhere, but the middle yeah, of agricultural middle of country. No, no, no. There's things happening there. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been, but I know. I mean, I've been to Utah, but not there. Um, so what were your first theatrical experiences and like how, 
I don't know, like, how did you arrive to, like, seeing theater as a child or teen? Mm -hmm. Well, theater in itself, I was exposed to it, like, through the high schools and, like, the junior highs. Like, they would bring the kids, the elementary school kids, and, like, go see the productions. Okay. So I'd see it that way. But the funny thing enough is that wasn't what inspired me to do this in the first place. When I was, like, really little, before I could even talk, I would I was just very theatrical and watch movies like bed knobs and broomsticks and grease were and always a go-to for me as a kid yeah it's so funny bed knobs and broomsticks I can't remember the beginning of this film did you ever see this movie no okay it's a uh Angela Lansbury Angela Lansbury movie and it has a whole sequence of half uh animation half live action where they go under the sea and swim with cartoon fish it's amazing yeah and uh and they can do this because they have a magical bed that can like fly to any dimension. It's so cool. And uh, there's a song in the movie called Portobello Road where a guy sings about a street fair. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Okay. And then uh, Angela Lansbury teaches these kids a, uh, or I guess a book she has, teaches these kids a spell that like enchants the bed. Okay. And uh, and it ends and, with Dracorum Sadisty. That's all I remember. Yeah, like, and the thing is, is when she does this, all the shoes would go. And when I was really little, I would get all the shoes in my house and then I'd get the movie going and I'd start getting all the shoes and like make a giant production out of it. She like lines up shoes magically and every time she says a spell, they tap dance Dance. for her. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) I mean, Murder, She Wrote, am I right? Right. (laughs) So anyway, Ben Oz and Broomsticks and Grease. So you, so you had. It seems like oh, you had a lot more exposure I, than I a had lot a lo- of kids. Oh yeah, and the thing is, is like Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat is Utah's favorite musical. So the well, Donny Osmond movie. I mean, it really is the Donny Osmond story. If we're yeah. being honest, <laughs> <laughs> that is one of the most factual statements I've ever heard. Donny and yeah. Marie Osmond are like Utah's saving grace. Yes, a literal saving grace. Yeah. So they have like a movie of that. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie version. I've of never. This. No. Oh, the Amazing Technicolor Dream Dreamcoat. Yes, yeah. yes, I have. So I have. that was something I'd watched a lot. But if you ask me now to ever do that show. You could just, you could send me to my deathbed. I do not want anything to do with it. Like, it's just one of those musicals. I just sit there and I'm like, oh, I'm like, again, I do not want to sing a million colors over and over and over again. Sure. I'm like, I sit there. I'm like, I would prefer to do Jesus Christ Superstar over Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat any day of the week. I feel like Godspell is a really good middle of the road version of both. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's uh, let's swing back. So the reason that for those that don't know, the Donnie and Marie Osmond are are such uh, big figures in Utah is because they are also Mormon from from Utah as well. Yes, from Utah, Uh, they're members of the Church of Latter Day Saints. What would you say are some of the biggest common misconceptions for non-Mormons about Mormonism. It's the caffeine. The caffeine? It's so funny because people think you cannot drink Coca-Cola and like Coke products. They're like, it has caffeine in it. You can't drink caffeine. Weird. And That's thing, a thing. And so people are, so people ask me all the time, they're like, well, you're Mormon. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, you can't drink that. And I'm they're like, like, don't you know mm-hmm. the rules? You don't, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I can drink that. It's mainly coffee and like teas that are caffeinated that are the big things. Because the thing is, is why the LDS religion practices that is so you're not addicted to the stimulant stimulants of caffeine. of caffeine because that also trigger because 
the mindset is from what I get from it is that can lead to other things. It's a, it's a gateway. It's a gateway. Yeah. (laughs) Which the thing is, is like, Everything is good in moderation. Sure. But I'm like, I sit there, I'm like, there are just things that you should not be touching in right. life. I'm like, I mm-hmm. sit there, I'm like, there are drugs in this world. You should just not be touching them. Sure. So, Ian, so stop doing crap. No. <laughs> I've told stop you. telling no. me to not do crap. And <laughs> I was I was only asking because like like speaking to the caffeine thing, I think that it becomes major news like when Brigham Young brought um uh, brought Coca-Cola machines to their campus for yeah. the first time. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah. I, and I just, I, I think that from the outside looking in, I was always raised as in, in the Christian church away from Latter-day Saints to believe that Mormonism had, um, had so many rules that it almost was like hard to follow. And I, I don't necessarily think I, that's true. I because don't think now that's I know, true. I, I know you and other, and other uh, Mormon actors that I've worked with. And I think yeah. that their lives are, Exactly the same. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I describe them as guidelines. Guidelines. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I would describe them as guidelines. You don't, you, everybody has free agency in this life and I, everybody has the right to do whatever they want. Sure. It's, are you going to live by these guidelines or not? I'm like, it's like, this is what's been told to you through the religion. And it says, it'll bring you happiness. If you follow these things, you can follow them, but if not, they're, you're still living life. Are you still practicing? I am not a practicing Mormon anymore. Sure. But I have many friends and family that are, so. Are there Mormon, is it a temple or a church or both? Um, You have a church and a temple. Okay, so are there Mormon churches or Mormon temples here in the city? Like, are there large oh, yeah. There is. There is. The main location is at Lincoln's. Center. It's right by across the street. I know from the center. Yeah. It's right across yeah. the street from Julia. It's next to the movie theater that's closed. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, sad. Yes. <laughs> so, a... what's cool about that one particularly is that there's a church office building and the temple and a church building all in one building. Okay. Not all of the most places aren't that way, but because of how New York City is, conveniency and size are. Well, and I think that having it in such a um, middle of the road, like a uh, crossroads of the Upper West Side, especially because it's a predominantly Jewish community, I think mm-hmm. it gives it exposure to the public that that otherwise people wouldn't see. Yeah. 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 There's also like a large, um, I don't know if there's a church or a temple or just like a large population of them up in Inwood. Oh yeah. There's many wards um, in Manhattan and New York City. There's... There's a Harlem Ward. I think there is an Inwood Ward. And then yeah. they have an Upper East Side Ward, the West Side, and then they have, like, one in Chinatown. There's one in, like, the Union Square area. And there's an ASL Ward. And then there's a few branches out in Queens and Brooklyn. So Amazing. it's – there's a lot of people here. It's not as crazy as Utah where it's per, about half the state is Mormon. Sure. So, Yeah. I don't mean to keep harping on this. I just like I'm fascinated by oh, it. Oh no, you're Same. not. You're not harping at all. Okay. I'm like you are asking very genuine questions. I'm my- like I don't want you to think that you're not. Okay. Well, then my last genuine question is: How do followers of the Book of Mormon feel <laughs> about the musical, The Book, Book of, of Mormon? Mormon? I've heard it, conflicting accounts. It's a conflicting. That's very conflicting to me. I find it absolutely hilarious. But you have to understand <laughs> that. You have to know going in, it's South Park. Sure. Exactly. And, and, and South most Park, Mormon it, kids aren't going to be able to watch South Park growing up. Well, like, 
I know many Mormons have watched South Park growing up. Don't they're not that innocent. It's like the Children way I watch, aren't that innocent. It's like the way I watch the real world at friends' houses. <laughs> but I yes. wasn't allowed to watch M T V in my house. Or Nickelodeon. Oh my god. My you weren't parents, allowed to watch Nickelodeon? No, my parents felt Angelica was a bad influence, which she was, let's be clear. That, I mean, yes, she was, but like There are other shows on Nick that are SpongeBob, amazing. SpongeBob. I, was not, I was never allowed to watch SpongeBob because of the sexual innuendo. <laughs> Really I mean, I guess me. good on your parents for, like, picking up on it. My work! <laughs> <laughs> so the Book of Mormon. So so your experience with it is great. Like, give me the most dramatic interpretation of someone who, like, just doesn't understand. Like, hasn't seen it. The Book of Mormon musical? The musical, okay. yeah. You know, I'm sure that they're, like, the most extreme version you've the heard. Most ex- oh, the most extreme version I've heard is... Ooh... That this is like a tie here. So I've heard versions where it's like, is the most perverted version of the Book of Mormon. It defams the whole religion itself. Oh, damn. Mm. And that, High stakes. High stakes. Yeah. And that anybody that sees it is getting a, a famined version of what it really is. Oh, gosh. Okay. And I disagree with that a lot. Sure. I think... Are there things that are in there that are absolutely false? Yes. Are there like things what? That, like what would you say? Well, the thing is, is that they don't tell the stories of certain stories fully accurately because they shift them. Like they shift the plot to keep mm. the plot going. Okay. And the thing is, is like they have certain things right, and what they do have a lot right. I lo- if you ever go to Utah and know the Utah landscape of like Salt Lake City in that set is actually geographically accurate. Okay. Mm. That is what's so funny about it. I'm like, but you have to be somebody from Utah that knows it. And they have so many small inside jokes that if you're from Utah or know Mormons or are Mormon, you're going to laugh at it. Sure. But the thing is, is what people get offended by is like Hasidia Eboi. Right. It's fuck you got. I'm like, that's pretty... So there's a yeah, song, like, for those that don't know the Book of Mormon, there's a song, the musical, there's a song in the musical where, uh, there, the plot of the show is that this guy wants to be uh, sent on his Mormon mission to somewhere fantastic, and he gets sent to Africa, to Uganda. And when he arrives, he realizes that the locals and villagers there are so fed up with um, a god, they feel that uh, if god there is, is a god, there. that yeah. he has abandoned them. And their, like, village chant is Hasadiga Ibawai, which means in, I'm, is Bucky it Swahili? I, I, I don't think even it's know. a made-up dialect. Made, it's, oh, made, it's, made dialogue. Up, it's made up, it's made up. It's gotta um, be. But, but they, the direct translation in the show is, fuck you, God. And I think that yeah. really upsets that, t- that, and there's a part where a character who just can't stop telling perpetual lies says that, Someone with a clitoris nose will save them. Like yeah. an angel sent from God yeah. with a clitoris nose yeah. or a frog or something. Yeah, yeah. like fucked a frog. Yeah. Like. It's, yeah. It's quite funny. The, to me, that part was really quite hilarious <laughs> because I sit there because the elder that tells these lies has never read the Book of Mormon and he's just building and building to try to get these people to join the church. He's trying to like do, he he's trying to like be a good human being, but he's like building a lie that's going to explode in his face as it does right. in the story. Spoiler alert, sorry, yeah. you haven't seen it. But um, that song is to me was quite hilarious because it just exploded, it, but that offends a lot of people, a I'm lot of sure Mormons. It does. And the thing is, is the part that offended me was the baptism. 
oh, in wow. the show. Because the thing is, is I find baptisms very sacred, as in any religion, baptism is a very sacred thing. Sure. And how they handled it, I was like, I'm like, I, I'm like, that got me. But the thing was, is everybody was laughing at it, and I sit there and I'm like, if you were watching a your own child's baptism, whether you were Catholic or whatever religion, I'm like, you wouldn't be laughing at that. Sure. I'm like, but you're laughing at it because they're Mormon. Right. I'm like, and the thing is, is I sit there and I'm like, uh, I think, and again, I think even the way that I was raised in, in the Anglican church, like we were raised to misunderstand Mormonism. I think that people laugh because they're, they're uh, uncomfortable and it's part of like a societal, a societal stigma that there's something different about Mormonism in the way that they practice. I think because a lot of Christians don't understand the story of, their golden plates. Oh, the Book of Mormon. Yeah, the thing yeah. is, is like the Book of Mormon is um, compiled by the golden plates, and they're all the stories that are in the Book of Mormon. They were compiled through these golden plates, and Moroni wrote them all down before he passed away, and like buried them in Palmyra, New York, where Joseph Smith found them. Sure, and then he translated them. Okay, yeah. Which people are like, how do you do that? Which that's solely. It's through the ermine thumb, which that's a whole other thing, which I don't even really want to go into. It's, <laughs> it's like, and like communicating with God. It's like, there was no possible way. It's like languages that were not even around anymore. So it's like, yeah. it had to be a higher power than God to create. Well, this, like, they'd be able to translate something like that. Well, and I know, like, people who are extra devout in the Catholic Church or the Anglican Church or uh, particularly Episcopalianism, like, my parents are of the sect of Christians that believe that like everything God wanted to tell us, like he told us so long ago because mm-hmm. he didn't want any of us to be like directly privy. Like that's why God doesn't like speak directly to us now until he sends his savior. Yeah. Like the, like the son of God. And for someone like Ian's family, they believe that the, that the, that for us it would be a second coming and for them it's first coming. Yeah. 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 And so it's like, I think all of those are valid and maybe all are yeah, true and I, all leave room for one another. Like I agree with that. Because, and, but I think a lot of people get ups, like get upset and confused because Joseph Smith lived in what we could, would consider modern a time. modern time. Yeah. And it's the fastest like growing it, modern religion. Yeah. And the thing is, is when you made the statement of like all religions, I think every religion has something right about them regardless. Like right. to me, I consider myself a spiritual person. I don't consider myself religious, but I consider myself very spiritual. And I personally believe every religion has something to give to you, whether I practice it or not, or believe it or not. I do believe there is truth in every religion. I think there's merit in reading other religious texts as well. Question yeah. for you guys. Did you grow up learning about other religions at all? No. Me neither. And, like, I think just because I went to a public school that, like, religion was just not a thing. Not that you didn't talk about it, but it just wasn't part of the curriculum. Like, we maybe learned broad strokes in history classes, but, like, I knew nothing about Christianity growing up. Like, and some people knew nothing about Judaism growing up. I think I only knew about some Jewish traditions and, uh, like, like holiday and Shabbat practices because Mm -hmm. some are also in the Christian calendar under different circumstances. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we have versions of the Passover dinner. That's not Passover, Passover for us. Yeah. It would be, or, or like, um, 
but the history of like Ash Wednesday and mm-hmm. and uh, Palm Sunday and uh, yeah. Tuesday, like those yep. are all rooted in 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 the history of like Judaism and Christianity, mm-hmm. like and building for, at the same yeah. time. Um, I guess I knew the most about Judaism because uh, as opposed to Christianity, mm-hmm. um, because in Sunday school there were a lot of comparisons about how we knew that Jesus had already been here. Mm-hmm. Sure. Which I was like, I'm not sure about that. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it, the things that I was exposed to as a kid, because I have family members that are Catholic, so... Wait, I, and for clarification, I mean, the Jews believe that Jesus was here. He's just not the... That he's not the savior of the I, world. Th- I think that's it. And I think, like, different yeah. sects are going to have different opinions on that yeah. as, as that is. It's not, it's not that I don't yeah. believe that Jesus couldn't be a guy. Sure, just think he, he was, was a very guy. nice guy. Yeah. And maybe he did, like, serve God in a way. I'm just not sure, like, you know, like, I think, like, historically, he was here to, like, cleanse sins. Yeah, like, I think historically, I forget if it's that we can prove that he was here or that, like, you can make strong arguments that he was here, but, like... There's, like, evidence that he was definitely here. But, like, no, but, like, it's just not in the Jewish religion that, like, he was the son of God or that, like, he was the whole new thing or whatever. Mm -hmm. But in Judaism... Okay, so let's say tomorrow the mm-hmm. savior of the universe comes to judge us all. Do Jews believe that in the first coming that is the end of all of us? Right, like it's judgment yes. time. Okay, all yes. Right. I but from what I remember, just because it's been so long since I've like set foot in a temple, like right. you, that's I believe that's what it is. And the mm. reason that a lot of Christian churches will um, will I don't know argue against that I think is they they have to for Christianity and for its its practices and uh, beliefs to process properly the way that it's practiced you have to believe that if jesus came and he was the center like the savior of the universe that or the savior of the world that he that we had so much hopeful life ahead of us because as long as you repent your sins are now cleansed like perpetually Mm -hmm. and like forgiven perpetually as opposed to like well if he was already here then why wasn't a judgment day Mm-hmm. You know, and like, and I think yeah. that was used as a point of comparison sense. for mm-hmm. us a lot, and that, and it sucks that I learned about Judaism in such like a, a negated form. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for answering so many questions. Yeah. I feel like I learned a lot. Oh, glad <laughs> <have> to help. <laughs> <laughs> One more person educated. Two exactly. more people educated. Exactly. Yes. Well, I felt educated as well as out of this. So, and also just like the county fair, that really blew up my head too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, That's so far into us in like yeah. New York, know, like right? in this part I, of New York. The New York in general. I, I wonder would say what upstate, the New York. I think upstate, upstate New York. Would, I've been to upstate some... would know this, but I think this part of New York would not. The New I've, York State Fair. I've been to like some pretty Albany? amazing like county fairs and stuff. We used to go to the mm-hmm. State Fair in uh, Raleigh Durham when I was oh, yeah. going to school at Elon. And uh, did you guys know I went to Elon? And um, <laughs> 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 I only talk about it every five seconds. Um, and I remember it was like, it was crazy. It was like yeah. corn in the cob and fried Oreos yeah. and roller coasters the and one by, The one by our college was the same thing. And like, I had it's never amazing. been, I had never been to like that kind of fair. Everything that I'd been to was like down main street of our, like of our suburban town, which was like nothing. Sure. I've never been to a state fair before, but I've been to a county fair before. Mm. You <laughs> yeah. know what? My favorite part of Parks and Rec, we love Parks and Rec on the show, yes. as everyone knows. But my favorite part of Parks and Rec is when Leslie puts up the Harvest Festival and there's a last, like, shot of the episode where there's a crane shot that zooms out and she's welcoming people to the fair and you see the fairground and then there's a helicopter shot of the entire fairground. Yeah. And it's, I mean, gorgeous. I, was, I, I love I, I get teary-eyed every time. Right. 
Well, on that positive Leslie Nope note. Exactly. Um, let's go to the thing that happened this week. Dylan, what order are we doing the show in? We are going to go with Ian. Cool. And then you. Okay. Claire, and then I'll go last. This is how All everybody right. picks it. Everybody picks it that way. I, I, yeah. <laughs> so funny. Ian's a starter. I, I guess I am. I'm a starter. And you're All right. a finisher. All right. <laughs> okay. Are we ready for the thing that happened this week? Yes. Let's do it. Good high five. <laughs> I love high fives. Ow, Ian, look at my hand. I love high fives. Ow, five. <laughs> I'm sorry. Cue the music. I hate you. 